Man, I sound like a fucking conservative. I I'm not conservative, and I'm not. <laughs> the, That's gonna sh- be the first sound. It's gonna literally start with. Man, I sound like a conservative. <laughs> I don't know. I I I I really do worry. This kind of like scolding cultural moment. Mm-hmm. It's gonna get. It's gonna get left in the dust, man. I think that it's really. It it hasn't worked for the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, people people have been moronically talking about political correctness as mm-hmm. some big problem. Yeah. Like, the cancel culture discourse is nothing new. Uh-huh. I mean, they've been doing this since we were born. Mm-hmm. And I just see it playing badly for the people whose worldview is built around that, around, like, decency monitoring. Even though I think that their their intentions are good, I agree with them on almost everything. Right, but that they're not gonna win this, especially in the age of the internet, especially when populism mm-hmm. is is only going to get stronger. Like this idea that like common vulgar people mm-hmm. can find each other on the internet, they're not gonna be shamed anymore. Right. And they're going to keep doing shit like this, and they're going to radicalize themselves into wanting to see the world burn, mm-hmm. because it's a lot more entertaining than the fucking bullshit PMC utopia, neoliberal utopia that we've been gunning for for the last 20 years. Shit's boring. <laughs> Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast on the internet where we make sense of the world one Wikipedia article at a time. That's right. And as always, I am joined by my spectacular co-host, John Miklas. Well, thank you, sir. I am joined here by my uh, wonderful, wonderful co-host, Mr. Alex Virgil. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, folks, uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you here. This is our I, second time. I was time. curious if this would be uh, explicitly brought up. Uh, this is our second time recording this week. Um, the <laughs> But uh, you'll notice we're only releasing one episode. <laughs> yeah. The unreleased, uh, we will call it mystery episode, mm-hmm. uh, is um, lost to time and space. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little sloppy, if you if you could say. I think and, you could say that. Rich. And I think if you can think of three different ways that that could be perceived, uh, yes to all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just one kind of sloppy. It was, um, yeah. You can blame you can blame logic software. Mm-hmm. You can blame. Um, my um, big dumb feet and clumsiness, <laughs> and you can also blame a lovely region in France called Beaujolais, <laughs> the biggest culprit of all. The biggest culprit of all. <laughs> yeah. So, so here we are. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we are gonna, you know, get back to the topics at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna do the same topics because I don't really remember what the topics were on, on Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, on Thursday night. So 
Uh, so it's fine. Um, yeah, it should be all good. <laughs> It'll be um, a fresh app. Fresh app. Fresh app. Uh, Virg, do you have any old business? I do have some old business. Nice. Um, I don't know if you remember me talking about this on Thursday. <laughs> uh, but I was actually watching a documentary uh, on Canopy. Cannot recommend Canopy enough. That's Canopy yeah, with rocks. a K. Educational streaming service where if you have a library card in most major like library systems, you should be able to access it. I was watching a documentary on Jacques Derrida, who yep. is the uh, father of the philosophical concept of deconstruction, whether mm-hmm. it's an art or just philosophy. And I was watching this documentary, kind of listening to it, and he's one of those people who uh, anytime he gets asked a question, he has to take a moment to like break it down and then discuss the circumstances of why he's going to answer in a certain way or not blah 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 you know like (laughs) some pretty like 20th century shit yeah but there's this great scene where he and his wife marguerite who is a a psychoanalyst are sat down and they're asked by the crew pretty innocuously about like how they met their history as a couple all this stuff and uh they kind of look at each other and they kind of smile and then he asks like should i tell them and she's like yeah go ahead and then he starts saying, like, the rote basics of how they met. Uh, and then he just kind of stops and says, like, you know, I can give you dates and facts, but you're not going to get much out, out of us on this subject. And she's kind of, like, looking down and smiling. Uh, and then the scene just kind of ends. And then the next scene is him watching that clip that we were just shown. And they ask him about it. And they're like, why, why did you answer this way? Like, what? what makes it why wouldn't you give us anything on the subject and he's like well under those circumstances with the lights and the camera and all that and her sitting there and you know it's hard to hard to answer personal questions like that anecdotally and so they move on they and the next scene is them showing him the clip of him watching the clip oh my god so that's some fucking like that's that's enough meta shit for Miklas to even Mm-hmm. <laughs> be over it uh but then they kind of like ask him about it and he's just like kind of smiling he's like i don't even remember that moment i don't remember, <laughs> even remember that scene but then he says and this is this is a quote he goes i like that scene precisely because we don't say anything we think the same thing but we don't say it i was moved by the scene i liked it a lot but i liked it precisely because we didn't say anything we were about to say something, but we remained on the edge of an impossible confidence. And he smiles, and I said, Mami la pina to pie. Mami la pina to pie. Mami la pina to pie. Um, you know, it's funny. I was actually, I, I think this past weekend, like exactly a week ago, mm-hmm. um, I rewatched um, Before Sunrise. Oh, and nice. We were, we, we were texting about it. Uh, yeah. But it, one of my favorite movies, and Linklater is one of my favorite directors. Yes. If not my favorite, I think he's probably my favorite director. But um, I, I was thinking about that word during that movie. Mm-hmm. Because it, 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 similarly, like the romantic, like the romantic element is not as much... Like we, I remember in our discussion, we ended up kind of enjoying the concept of like a more um, platonic... Right conception of that word, mm-hmm. 
but the I don't know if there's a movie or a director that does more with the use of like nonverbal mm. eye contact than like that movie is just like the entire movie is just like yeah. to be told almost like you almost don't need to know the language they're speaking like mm-hmm. that it's the the strength of the the kind of like body language and nonverbal cues that right. they give. Um, there's a scene. There's a scene in it um, when they're in like the listening booth at the record store, mm-hmm. and it's it's a long scene. I think it's like five minutes long of of them listening to a record, and and both like like looking at each other and then looking like they 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 never catch each other's eyes, but mm-hmm. they want to so bad. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful movie. Um, that yeah. discussion of Dorita made me remember that and high high recommend. Anyone has never seen Before Sunrise? Watch oh the entire gosh. trilogy in in one day. Watch watch this is so this is what I'm doing is I've watched the trilogy but then so so like I have all three movies but I watched I've watched the trilogy maybe like 3 times total in my life. Yeah. But now I'm going through a thing of going through each one at the age. Nice. So the last time yeah. I watched before sunrise i was maybe 26 yeah and then i intend for the next time for me to watch um before sunset yeah to be like 35 yeah 30 something and then 40s for the next one i think that so good um what what did we what what did i talk about i don't think i have any old business for remember i do have a nice little fun piece for you um yeah, my, my brother-in-law apparently was either listening to something, reading something, or watching something, and they had mentioned the Darien Gap. Oh wow! And he had he told my sister that he he had come in primed to whatever that he was listening to. Luckily, because of us, so you know, huh, I love it. Hey, the Darien Gap is Loki something that I've had multiple people like reach out to me about i don't know why that specific topic like stuck with people it's cool Um, it's a fun one it's it's a super fun one because it's one of those things where it's like very rare that we get an earthly frontier to be that feels accessible and yet you know like everyone knows the bottom of the ocean is the frontier but none of us really you know we don't feel that in our lifetime we're gonna get exciting answers no yeah. And we can't colonize the bottom of the ocean, so who no. the fuck cares, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Well, so, Verge, I, I know that you had a, a fun, special ethnic enclave of the week. Oh, I sure um, do. And if you still want to do it, you can. I am giving you the out, though, that I have a, one primed if you don't want to talk about this one again. We can do a short one. We Well, maybe I'll just do this really short because there's you not do it, do too it. much to say it's about fun. it, but it's fun. I vaguely remember it. Um, Spanish Forks, Utah. Spanish Forks, Utah. Hey, Nicholas, any guesses as to what ethnic enclave is predominant in Spanish Forks, Utah? $5,000 if you can guess correctly. Was it Portuguese? (laughs) You absolute (laughs) buffoon. (laughs) Who was it? What was it again? (laughs) The, the so Irish. Funny. I thought you were doing a bit. No, he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Spanish Fork. Oh, Sp- I'm sorry. Spanish Fork. Just the one fork. Yeah. Utah. Spanish Fork. Was the first Icelandic settlement in the That's United it. States. That's it. I remember. Ish. Icelandic yeah. people settled there primarily from 1855 to 1914, which is an interesting story because when you say Utah and you go, oh, why did they move there? Mormons? It actually was, but not even like Mormons in the 20th century. This was like early yeah. Mormon uh, word of mouth hype that made its way from New York to Iceland. And the journey from Iceland took 10 months over land and sea. And they finally settled in Spanish Fork. Just as Utah was really getting settled by Mormons the way we... You know, it really just doesn't sit right with me. The Iceland, (laughs) Icelandic in Utah. I don't know. There's something wrong about it. I want... I, I feel... I feel no animosity towards Mormonism. I really uh-huh. don't. Okay. I have no interest in being Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I feel like they are um, like a pretty like um, superlative. Yeah, harmless to cult- the out- yeah, outside cultural world. unit. I mean, they like Utah is successful in many many aspects of of like mm-hmm. ranked daily life. And human development index, and I think mm-hmm. a huge part of that is the, like the culture surrounding Mormonism. Right, but they just don't fit in my head when I think of like Icelandic culture and I think of Mormon culture. They're mm-hmm. just non-compatible to me. And I would be fascinated if Spanish Fork, Utah, had any semblance of like previous Icelandic culture, or if there's just a lot of really mormon people whose names are like thomas thomason no that's what it is yeah the mayor right. is a presumably mormon man named steve leafson so <laughs> like i i think i can give you some numbers here uh in terms of the spanish fork well i guess they don't really do like they'll tell you how much white it's over 90 percent white which yeah. isn't a surprise um but they're mostly Mormon, and and the Icelanders went there specifically for the reason of Mormonism. It's interesting because one of the pages, and I'm looking for this right now, one of the pages worded it as though they like the break between the Icelanders in Iceland and the ones that wanted to move for Mormon Mormonism uh, was amicable. And then on the other page, because I'm basing this off of two pages, on the other page, it alludes to the fact that they were ousted. Hmm. So that's interesting, right? That's one of those Wikipedia things where it's like, who wrote the one where they made it sound very benevolent? Yeah. Um, And then who made it sound like they were ousted and why? Yeah. And it's like, who's to gain from either? Yeah. And has anyone even considered this about these two passages before us? And will they after us? Okay, I, I do want to bring this up. I'm on the um, the talk page for Spanish Fork Utah Wonderful. on Wikipedia. And the first question is, um, given the Icelandic origins of many of its people, does Spanish Fork retain any tra- trace of Icelandic character? Mm. Does it have any modern links to Iceland? 
First answer is not that I am aware of. There are more blonde people than other places in the United States. <laughs> um, and then they say, thanks. I've just seen that there's a brief article in Spanish Fork in the Icelandic Wikipedia. Oh. It has a sentence that mentions the president. Um, did he visit, send the city a gift, mention it in a speech? If anyone can translate this, it would be interesting to know. Um this person said, I was born and raised in Spanish Fork, and I'm aware that the president of Iceland visited the city in 2005 hmm. to attend the dedication of the Icelandic memorial. Hmm. A close friend of mine coordinated the visit. I'm going to reach out to him and his wife, see if they have news clippings. Um, also, this person says, there's still a very strong connection between Iceland and Spanish Fork. I believe Reykjavik and Spanish Fork are formerly sister cities. Hmm. There's an annual Iceland Days event hosted by the Utah Icelandic Association. Yes, that seems to be the... Uh largest kind of uh celebration they do yeah i i find myself like and i i understand the it's inevitable like (laughs) these like cultural markings are lost to time and and perhaps like if you lived and breathed spanish fork mm-hmm. you probably could find some odd discrepancies or peculiarities about the town mm-hmm. that you could make a connection to iceland somehow right but i do find myself feeling like tremendously sad about mm. the the kind of like washing over of unique mm. past cultures that 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 have been lost to like assimilation. Right. Like there is, you know, that you said this last week, the idea of LA being a salad bowl. Mm-hmm. And not, not to say that people shouldn't be allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. Um, and like that they should be able to assimilate or, or congregate with whoever they want. Mm-hmm. But I do, I love that. I love right. the idea of like tradition and culture being preserved mm-hmm. and being blended together mm-hmm. because out of it comes like the craziest, out of it comes Kogi tacos, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, out yeah, of it yeah comes exactly. Like the, the most perfect and delightful melding of things mm-hmm. and people that are unique. I mean, I, there's a part of Malaysia, Penang, yeah, which is just this like, like total, like, absolute mind-boggling um like m- m- melding of of peoples hawaii is the same way you know like yeah. there's these there's these places where there's true like like something something great has come out of the melding of cultures yeah i've and, always and, seen it as yeah. like three tiers there's in any empire there's three tiers of like cultural preservation and one mm-hmm. is like adhering to just old world tradition as they are. And then there's the buying into assimilation, which isn't assimilation into like a culture. It's assimilation. Well, at least in the U S it's assimilation into just like the broad strokes, monolithic American capitalism idea. Right. Right. And then there's like the beautiful potential utopia of that third stage where it's a combination. And I think there are a lot of like, parts of the u.s that that are reaching that or have bypassed kind of the big city you right. know big dreams assimilation stage i guess too i am um really really struck and 
have a difficult time with like just temporality in general, mm, mm-hmm. like the the fragility of the present, mm-hmm. and and understanding that it's like none of the all of these things that we're experiencing, mm-hmm. whether it's like cultural culture or um, geopolitics or just our own personal existence, is like absolutely finite totally totally fleeting and so like the idea like despairing for cultural indicators Mm -hmm. that go extinct is almost is well is not almost it's totally futile Mm -hmm. because it is inevitable right and appreciating the moment is mm-hmm. important because those things too will pass. Yeah. Those things will be lost. Those things will change. Mm-hmm. And I hate that because we have a podcast about Wikipedia. So mm-hmm. we both very clearly love the concept of like spreading out all the information on a, on a table and mm-hmm. like inhaling all of it. You yeah. Know, like knowing everything. And you just can't, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the law of the universe says that you won't even get anywhere close right like you will get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction yeah and you better be okay with it see the best thing we can drive you crazy i think the best thing we can do like it's 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 like kogi tacos right the invention of kogi which could have only happened in la at the time it did for example is like not different probably from the beginnings of what we now see as pasta, the staple food <laughs> yeah. of Italy. Yeah. Like in 500 years, people might be putting gochujang on tacos like yeah, just regularly like a, because that's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, we're just, yeah, we didn't really have any idea of what to eat tonight. So we're just doing American, just like you mm-hmm. know, boring American. I would never go to an American restaurant because you can make that shit at home for so much cheaper. Right. You know? And yeah. people are putting like gochujang on fucking <laughs> tortillas. Yeah. And that's just normal. Like, and we, and the best we can do with, or like the only really, you know, useful thing we can do, you and me, with our interests in Wikipedia and inhaling all this information is to think about that and think about this and go, <laughs> oh, right. that's fun. The, the, the only thing that you can do, I mean, really, really mm-hmm. the only thing that you can do with life is mm-hmm. like try to appreciate it yeah uh and try to make it a little bit better for the people try to make it a lot better for the people that you know intimately and try mm-hmm. to make it a little bit better for strangers right you know like those are like the those are especially in the modern world like mm-hmm. those are the limits right those are the things that you are capable of and if th- you want to be an actor if you are a, a mm-hmm participant right then you you need to get used to those being like the the limits or else you're just you're just going to be constantly disappointed mm-hmm. alas alas <laughs> all right verge <laughs> um what do you got for me all right uh today i have one for you that is nothing more than just a uh f- fun story that'll spook you out or gross you out Oh, a, a good old creepy pasta. <laughs> yeah, creepy pasta. All right. 
So today, is, uh, we, we start today on the story of Ursula and Sabina Erickson. Love it. Staying in the uh, Scandinavian vibe. All right. Ursula yeah. and Sabina Erickson are Swedish twin sisters who came to national attention in the United Kingdom in mm-hmm. May 2008. Okay. So as we've established, fuck. Fuck UK listeners, so you yeah. already know the story. You can turn this off at this point. <laughs> the twins have... <laughs> Up so the, the raw. The twins had been in Ireland before traveling to the UK, uh, and they boarded a bus for London and Liverpool, but their odd behavior after exiting the bus at a service station on the M6 caused the driver not to allow them back on board. The two were later seen on the central reservation, which is basically the median of the M6 Mm. motorway, when the highway's English traffic officers, uh, you know, what, 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 chips, chips, yeah, uh, arrived to assist the women. They ran across the busy motorway as captured by a small television crew. Ursula managed to dodge traffic, but Sabina was knocked over. Shortly after the police arrived, the women again dashed onto the motorway and were struck by oncoming vehicles. Ursula suffered serious injuries, and when Sabina regained consciousness, she refused medical aid and attacked a police officer, at which point she was arrested and sedated. So this story is very interesting because they there's like footage of the whole thing happening, and it's not just CCTV footage. It is... Um, full like tv crew footage because is it like helicopter or is no it no no they were like level? basically filming an episode of cops british cops which i think no is hilarious way. which is so funny to me because cops to me only works conceptually in the u.s yeah <laughs> it, it has to involve the oppression of yeah you can't just US minority watch people <laughs> protecting <laughs> safely protecting all their citizens um so, so like, uh, there's a uh, documentary called Madness on the Highway or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, like, and like the footage, the scene starts not on the road, but in the car with the two cops that are answering the radio. And they get to this police station, and there's these two, or the, uh, the road, basically, they're just on highway. And there's these two women who are, like, beautiful women in their early 40s, I believe. Um, Swedish, look totally normal, and they're just kind of, like, talking with the cops. And then you literally just watch them break into a run. Whoa. Into the middle of the street. And, like, see them both get hit by cars. And uh, it's wild. And And then the footage after that is the two of them, like, very confused yelling and you know yelling at asking for help and for someone to call the cops but like the cops are the ones trying to you know were they being trafficked so so the thing is there's like no no one knows what happened no one knows why they were there no one knows why they were traveling together why they were acting weird what caused this what seems to be an episode in both of them right and and the thing to remember of course is that they're identical twin sisters um and i believe ursula had a husband and children 
who had no idea where she was. And there was no previous signs of, you know, mental, there's no history of mental illness or anything like that. And what they determined was that this was a case of folie à deux, which is a French psychiatric term for shared delusional disorder or shared psychosis. And the thing is, as a Wikipedia story, this is like already kind of, oh, interesting story you might read on the Internet. But when you watch the footage, it's really because it feels so personal. You is truly one of those moments where you feel like you're not you're watching something you're not supposed to. Right. Um, it, is shared delusion something that can only happen with twins? No, it's only it, it's just any situation where one person who has a certain delusion is able to somehow pass it on to someone else. Got it. And usually, you know, it's it's it involves some amount of paranoia. Yeah. Um. And so, so then, so then they show these clips of her, one of the sisters. So one of the sisters like shattered her legs. Yeah. But the other sister is fine. She's like walking around. They actually, it took six people to subdue her on the road and you can watch all of this. Uh, and then there, and then you watch her getting booked the next day and she's just like having a normal, she seems totally lucid, totally normal conversating, you know, yeah. uh, joking around with the cops and like they're asking her questions about like have you taken any drugs all this stuff and she's just like no not at all but the thing is she's so lax about everything it's as if she doesn't even remember what happened and she never asks about whether her sister's okay weird right so it's weird and so so then she gets let out and the next day she stabs a local man to death who had taken her in because she was just wandering the streets. What? Yeah. That's quite a ter- wait, wait, okay, so I need I need some resolution on this. I need to know what they don't know anything that fucking happened with they these people. They don't know they just anything went crazy? that happened. They just had a uh, yeah, and it was temporary. And you know, this happens to people. But, like, the craziest part about it is that it was shared between both sisters. Right. And they both, like, were running into the street trying to get hit. And then one of them. Yeah, and so the trial, you know, the the judge had a difficult time ruling on this because they had to lower the sentence from, like, murder because right. she was clearly not... Um, in control of her actions at the time, their version of temporary insanity, um, which, which when you watch the clips, you realize like, yeah, that is the correct sentence, but they also like booked her the day before she killed someone. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, I don't know this, this is a tangent, but it reminded me of something. And -hmm. I think it's like kind of a, like a good thought, prompt for it Mm -hmm. i've been really struggling with my preconceptions and like Mm -hmm. maybe even more with my like societal preconceptions about jailing Mm -hmm. and what prison punishment means Mm. right and so so like for example 
if someone is temporarily insane, mm-hmm. goes into psychosis, mm-hmm. and kills someone, mm-hmm. what is their punishment? And I, what should their punishment be? I think that's the constant struggle, right? Yeah. Where, like, in the 20th century, especially the earlier part of the 20th century, it was way too heavy on uh, reprimand. Yeah, on punishment. On, on punishment on, over on your, rehabilitation. Your, yeah, the consequences of your actions. Yeah. yeah. And then now it's definitely more on the rehabilitation side. Well, the the the... I guess in America, at least, the conversation is going towards rehabilitation. Right. But I right, don't right. think that I don't think that societal, societally, we even come close to believing that. Mm-mm. Like, not only is that not what is reflected by the actions of the state, but if you if you were to ask five people whose opinions you hold very dear, mm-hmm. and you gave them like graphic, like. Like you, you, you said like this person went temporarily insane. Look at what they did to this person. Mm-hmm. I would imagine people would be much more harsh mm. than you would expect them to be. Like the the concept of forgiveness mm-hmm. and the concept of like logical being being logical and being. I I I feel like at the core, people are more vengeful Mm -hmm. than we expect them to be you know yeah and i think it's a big problem actually Mm -hmm. because i think from a like logically or from a more from a not i I don't know if i can be the one to speak logically (laughs) but in my head if we're talking about like rehabilitation if someone straight up is in a fit of psychosis Mm -hmm. then their actions should not carry any consequence Mm -hmm. like but at the same time there's clearly a counter argument for that well it's like the protection of everyone else right comes into play yeah or or if you i mean if you if someone does something really really bad and Mm -hmm. you with i don't know you you create like minority report style some Mm -hmm. sort of computer that can say without a shadow of a doubt Mm -hmm. they're no longer a danger to society Mm mm-hmm are we cool with them not serving a prison sentence? Because I don't think as a society we are. I think that we're very uncomfortable with that. I think we we love the idea. I, I mean, the, the storming of the Capitol is a great example. Right. A lot of well-meaning liberals want these people to fucking pay. Mm-hmm. They want people's heads. Mm-hmm. Like, they want them to be, they want... Oh, you broke into Nancy Pelosi's office, you're getting 10 years in prison, mister. Like, are we listening to ourselves? We're, we're, our our conception of, like, of course it's wrong. The people that are getting punished right now Mm -hmm. are the, are the most damaged and, and, um, manipulated and are taking advantage of people in our, in our society. That is true. Mm Mm-hmm. But we oftentimes are like, you know, well, look at these guys that we've been sending to prison. Well, let's start making um, 
alt-right people, domestic terrorists, or like, right. let's classify them as domestic terrorists so we can send them to Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at a certain point, you're not listening to yourself anymore. Right. You know, you've gotten past, you've gone past the reservation when you, like, you don't actually believe that, do you? Well, that's, I, I think, no, it's, I think that's one of those things that's like really easy. It's like, it's really easy to uh, joke about guns and and play war if you have never fought in a war you know i imagine you know like for example like probably objectively the people that know how best to punish people are like us people who have been incarcerated right who are a certain amount either educated or intelligent whatever like you know lucid and capable of actually having the discussion they probably know best how to deal with you know, or at least the effects that this would have. Because there's always the question, too, of, like, how much of it is as a punishment for the person that committed the crime and how much of it is just, like, the societal deterrent moving forward. Sure. As a deterrent, yeah, like, the insurrectionists maybe should get whatever time. But, like, if we're talking just because we don't like those people and we want them to pay, then, like, who are we to say definitively what? I agree. Yeah, I think our I just I think our conception of punishment is especially when you start to like examine the prison system mm-hmm. itself and that like all right, if you put some and I I think this is different for like maybe like the the capital riot insurrectionists, but like the the deterrent element like this punishment, you are you whatever the sentence is, you've ruined that person's life, mm-hmm. right? Like our prison system is so fucking disgusting, and yeah. like, um, and and it we've you know we're total seemingly totally fine with prison rape, and we're seemingly right. totally fine yeah. with the fact that prisons are are run based on like racial gang separation. Mm-hmm. Like, why did these things? Why did we? allow these things to happen i think it's in many ways because we have just utter contempt for the people that we're sending to prison yeah because we have utter we have zero ability culturally to give forgiveness to people Mm -hmm. and we have zero ability to um grapple with things involving moral ambiguity i think i think this is this is leading to the conversation of like uh, individualism versus collectivism from like a empathetic perspective, right? Right. Like Western society has a really hard time. Uh, a really hard time, like long term, constantly empathizing with other people. Right. So I, there was a great mm, tweet that may have linked to an article that I scrolled past today. That was basically just like, um, like we we are very good in the U.S., for example, where if someone was drowning, we wouldn't think twice about helping them. Mm-hmm. But the idea of sustaining the well-being of our neighbors and friends on a long-term basis is not something we can like individually right. fathom. So, like, we yeah. want heroes, but we don't want care workers, I think, was the conclusion. And the problem yeah. is we need more care than heroes. I like that. that I, and I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it makes sense to, like, we, we have a hard time 
um, understanding like the the vagueness mm-hmm. of if a thousand people are drowning, right. who do we start to save? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this with the vaccine. Is like what a great example of America's like really warped understanding of fairness mm-hmm. is like we would literally rather people not get the vaccine out of turn yeah then efficiently vaccinate people like we'd rather mm-hmm. watch vaccines expire mm-hmm. go bad than <laughs> let someone who could possibly like let someone who is possibly not in getting it in order yeah to get it like that that is i don't know i think that and i don't think that there's i don't think that it is necessarily like a um an indication of like failing so much right. as it is in an honor system mm-hmm. and a like a cultural value system mm-hmm. that is like i personally believe is out of whack yeah. you know like there are 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 the things that we that we that we care about are mm-hmm. wrong. We're, we're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, dude. Did you come over there? <laughs> no, I think it's from a stupid movie from yeah. the nineties. I can't yeah. remember what, what the movie is. Um, no, this this is, and it starts so early with 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 us, where it's like we're taught by our parents to always look out for the person who you know, whatever. But if someone comes up to you and starts talking shit don't go snitching just hit him in the face right you know it's like which is like as a kid i remember constantly being like wait i don't understand is it look out for number one or is it love everyone else like as much as i you know whatever right. like which one is it and it is i mean it's led to a very very weird form of um christianity that's for sure. yeah oh like, yeah local christianity is full of the most fascinating and terrible moral quandaries. Yeah. Where it's like, wait, you're saying, like, we have to believe that Jesus Christ was Son of God, but don't really listen to anything he ever said. Right. And instead, listen to, like, the, you know, uh, deified power of the stock market. Yeah. Whoa. Wait a second. There's no wonder we're confused, all of us. Everyone is confused. No, there's no wonder that that like the longer you let someone talk in this country, the less sense they make as a yeah. rule, as a rule. Us included. I mean, yeah. us included. I, I think I mean, I, I don't know. I, I will. I will. I am. And we have a friend who loves this about me uh, <laughs> because he is not so. Um, but I personally say that, like one of the things that I know of myself is my irrationality. Mm-hmm. Like I am mm-hmm. proud of how irrational I am and like, yeah. and, 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 um, and driven by a certain sense of, uh, you know, like gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very American thing. So like mm-hmm. to be full of these contradictions, right. To like the, the cowboy mentality is like to believe two opposite things at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And to be able to like live in that. Yeah. Um, which I think is a big issue I've been having personally is because I didn't grow up in that to be faced with that every day. It's like, yeah, I second guess myself constantly and can't. It's overwhelming. In, in a way I mean, that it's... like, yeah, it doesn't encourage action the way I was. Yeah. yeah. The way I understood the world versus like what I'm living in now. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Well, Verge, we're going to move on to my topic, which (laughs) I also think deserves a whole lot of sympathy and forgiveness and respect, and that's the Wall Street bombing. Boom. Look, (laughs) just listen, okay? (laughs) Just give it a sec, okay? Uh, I, I will say that I started researching this topic because there was a moment when I watched a clip from a billionaire on CNBC saying, like, like whining that all of these people got their government checks and were now manipulating the stock market yeah, and yeah, was yeah. like being mean to the wealthy. And so I I did type bomb Wall Street into Google search just because I wanted to see what came up. Um, and so if you if the FBI is, is listening to this, please know I don't have the means and I don't have any intention of bombing This was Wall closer Street. to like a drunken Amazon... <laughs> shopping spree than it is looking, like a terroristic inclination. I was I was really looking for a hat that said bomb Wall Street. <laughs> there aren't they don't exist yet. 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 Um, but um I was shocked, not shocked, interested to find out that there there is a Wikipedia article that is just Wall Street bombing. The Yeah, side uh. note, it's like um it is a weird kind of like huh moment to think about like wall street bombing as a wikipedia article that covers one very specific thing like i i often because of how overwhelming information and like the encyclopedia Mm -hmm. of human history is Mm -hmm. i think of it as this like infinite concept Mm -hmm. and that like all of these things could happen or they have happened many times. But no, like the Wall Street bombing is a thing. The crossing of the Rhine like, is a Wikipedia article. You know, it's like Like what you're saying is it's not unfair to assume based on the structure of Wall Street that it's getting bombed every day. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um and it's just I don't know, it's just kinda like kinda centered me for a second to realize that like human history is not infinite. Yeah. It is actually very finite. Mm-hmm. And as much as we may kind of like joke around and um, brush off the things that are happening in our moment right now as mm-hmm. like post history or, you know, like un- right. unchangeable or unimportant or silly or absurd. Right. The fact of the matter is that like we are still experiencing what we conceptualize yeah. as We're very history. much in it. We're not separate yeah. from what we read in textbooks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's an important thing to like center yourself on every once in a while. Yeah. And and know that maybe like these things are not um like so far in your right personal life that mm-hmm. you like are uh, manipulating or like personally changing history, but like to be experiencing it as absurd and spectacular or as much of a spectacle as it is, like it is all still happening history is alive with the sound of music and that understanding that understanding will give you at least one percent more of a easier time kind of parsing through what's going on emotionally individually absolutely yeah um so okay so the wall street bombing yeah tell me about it it, so it occurred on 1201 p.m on thursday september 16th in 1920 okay um 
The blast killed 30 people mm-hmm. immediately, and then another 10 died later of wounds sustained in the blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were 143 seriously injured people. So mm-hmm. um, it actually, at the moment that it happened, was the deadliest act of terrorism on U.S. soil up to that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very quickly, or not qu- very quickly, but Pearl Harbor would, uh, and I guess that, yeah. I don't know if that was terrorism. That's an attempt. Like a domestic deaths perpetrated by a, one person. Yeah. Um, or, or one entity, I suppose, against Americans. So this was a really, actually kind of an interesting time in American history. Because you think, yeah. you got to think about it. Like 1920, there is... Um, a serious movement of people. Mm-hmm. This is enough after like the Civil War era and Reconstruction, right. mm-hmm. like and and after the Gilded Age. Right. So you're in a time when lots of new people, like mm-hmm. you're in like a serious wave of immigration. Yeah. Um, but before and and 1920, so after World War One, but before the real like, um madness of the russian revolution had right. completely materialized like no the world didn't really know yet or understand what the soviet union was to be mm-hmm. and obviously this is pre-fascism right. even before mussolini uh, took mm-hmm. power so interesting time and um in the united states like some of the more pertinent and important movements of things happening uh, yeah, Italian and Irish women's suffrage uh, and uh, Italian and Irish immigration, I think, right. are like quite important, and mm-hmm. and I guess German too during this time. Um, but our story, the story of the Wall Street bombing, will center around Italian immigration, mm. um, because the bombing was never solved, which is actually pretty interesting to think. Yeah, you know, I they I, pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but investigators and historians believe it was carried out by the Galli- Gallianists. Um, <laughs> the Gallianuses? Gallianuses, yeah. They're a group of um, Italian anarchists, hmm. and they had been responsible for a series of bombings the previous year. Um, and it was related to post-war social unrest, labor struggles, and anti-capitalist agitation in the United States. It sounds very... Uh analogous to how we're feeling in general now yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and and um the galleonists Mm -hmm. are pretty interesting um because i think actually historically the thing that is most important to understanding this is that it is so so pre rise of the soviet union right and pre like true red scare Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a United States that had not fully assimilated um, many of its European immigrant groups mm-hmm. into what we now conceptualize as like white Americans. Right. Um, and a lot of these groups brought with them this kind of like interesting radical milieu mm-hmm. of like Marxist and leftist thought right new and thoughts was, from the old world yeah and it was still acceptable to be thinking these things i mean mm-hmm. by the mid by the middle of the 20th century like this was no longer a mainstream acceptable way of thinking right 
and, the consensus and you, had been established established and done i mean the cold war put a, a kibosh to any semblance of like power for labor movements or the left um but and these people are still radical i mean mind you they're literal like, yeah like anarchist, anarchist terrorists. terrorists yeah um but but at the same time even the fact that they exist i find to be kind of like outside of our spectrum of understanding of like american politics let's mm-hmm. say um and luigi galliani mm-hmm. um he is he was an italian anarchist he was active in the u.s from 1901 to 1919 mm-hmm. so the the bombing actually took place the year after he was deported to Italy, um, and a lot many people they say that it was probably in reaction, mm-hmm. um, like to that it was like kind of like retribution. Mm-hmm. So he's best known for his enthusiastic advocacy of propaganda of the deed, i.e., the use of violence to eliminate those he viewed as tyrants and oppressors, and to act as catalysts to the overthrow of existing government institutions. From 1914 to 32, Galliani's followers in the United States um, carried out a series of bombings and assassination attempts against institutions and persons they viewed as class enemies. Mm. Um, And, yeah, you know, he kind of led like a pretty, I don't know, he got got, uh, run out of Italy. Mm-hmm. He got deported from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. He ended up going back to Italy and was pr- imprisoned like twice. Um, then he went fled to Egypt. And then eventually he was going to get deported from Egypt. So then he fled to London and then eventually the U.S. Um, and he he lived in Patterson, New Jersey, um, uh, which is co- good for him, dude. Which is the location um, I think of uh, that Adam Driver movie, where he's a bus driver and a poet. Doesn't matter. What movie is that? I don't know. I think it's seen called that. Patterson. Um, so Patterson, New Jersey, is also the site of the 1913 Patterson Silk Strike. Mm. Um, it was a big time work stoppage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the goal was the eight hour work day. Right. Which is the other thing. Okay, this is the other thing that I think is important um, when we talk about, like, moral ambiguity and um, and radicalism and, I don't know, like, changing the world, whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. Like, the intersection of labor movements mm-hmm. and what they were doing, mm-hmm. the kind of tangential violence wrought by people fighting like eventually led to the ban of child labor and the 40-hour work week and eight-hour work day and like honestly i can't even imagine a world Mm -hmm. where these people didn't like sacrifice and and potentially do things that we in the eye of history have some level of like moral or ethical right scorn for Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like there it's complicated it is more complicated than we allow ourselves to really think about yeah it is interesting because the idea of like teamsters 
and like union reps in the 20th century maybe this is because most of our understanding of it comes from movies is is like this weird very like gray area yeah Uh, is it robin hood is it like trying to you know as with anything else in the u.s there's a certain amount of corruption that muddies the intentions but yeah but and i also would say that we um we are now put in a position where we have to either glorify Mm -hmm. potentially fraught people Mm -hmm. or sully potentially glorious movements right because because we didn't just allow it to be institutionally part of our world right like the fact of the matter is the labor movement is dead i mean Mm -hmm. not not effectively but where it could have been right and where it is now it 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 doesn't exist the fervor no the fervor from the class that would be heading it up feels uh definitely yeah and it's and it's yeah like unions are not the they're not the the commonplace at this point they're like a a a, um kind of like a a trinket of the past like exactly they don't actually exist the way that we thought that they were going to exist Mm -hmm. and they don't have the power that we that the Galeanists thought that they were going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so, okay. So I want to get back onto the, the thread of, of yeah. the, the Wall Street bombing um, because it is interesting. It, it was at noon, a horse-drawn wagon passed by lunchtime crowds on Wall Street and stopped across the street from the headquarters of J.P. Morgan. Inside the wagon, 100 pounds of dynamite with 500 pounds of heavy cast iron sash weights exploded in a timer set detonation, sending the weights tearing through the air. The horse and wagon were blasted into small fragments, but the driver was believed to have left the vehicle and escaped. So, first of all, um, the original car bomb. Yeah. Wild. The carriage um, bomb. The carriage bomb. Yeah, that poor donkey. Um. And and ultimately the 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 people who died were almost entirely like interns and messenger boys. Yeah, and of course. It's not like anyone anyone from J.P. Morgan actually like yeah. faced any sort of you know they, it it just wasn't it wasn't as effective as they as they expected it to be. Nor would you have thought that it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am struck by it all i'm very intrigued by it mm-hmm. um because luigi galliani mm-hmm. <laughs> is completely lost to time yeah and his ism mm-hmm. gallianism mm-hmm. is a non-factor is they've done yeah. nothing bes- besides like cause death and destruction in their moment right and I don't know what to make of it. I don't know how to how to really like Well, I think it's interesting like it's interesting because the times and the circumstances feel of that moment feel immediately similar to how we're feeling now about things. Mhm. 
you know, the structures are not in place. The center has the center that has been holding things in place don't seem to be holding anymore. There's some kind of like new world order, not in that Illuminati sense, but like some amount of that coming. And I wonder if Galliani, Galliani, yes, Galliani was is like was more of like a Portnoy. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, was that bombing seen by that time by people like us as more of a storming the Capitol moment or a game stonk moment? You know what I mean? Right. And this is where yeah. it's all messy. This is where the plurality of America makes it so hard to understand where to fall on these things. Well, and, and I mean, that is like the uh, the kind of arbitrariness of trying to yeah. examine the moment in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I feel like we we were talking about like the idea of holding two opposite things at once and I mm-hmm. and I and I apologize to our listeners that might not understand what our like definitive thread through all this is because I th- I do feel like this is so complicated and we're we're struggling with it and mm-hmm. We're saying opposite things right. like, over the course of the episode, mm-hmm. but I don't apologize for it because I think that it's interesting and I think that it calls attention to like how gray and how kind of flimsy all of this is. Well, I think, yeah, and that's kind of the thing is I think in our, you know, this is that classic thing. I think everything about existence as a human can ultimately come down to the idea of paradox in some way or another. And so I think in our inability to parse through these moments, we're just illuminating the reality that everything comes down to paradox in some yeah. way or another. And it's just like kind of inevitable. So I have a couple notes on this. Okay. Um, ex- re-examining notes from, from a couple of days ago. And my question for you... Okay. Is radicalism mm-hmm. like true extremism? Mm-hmm. Is that is that in and of itself an act of vanity? Like, is is a is the belief that you can change the world mm-hmm. in and of itself like a narcissistic belief? My immediate answer, which I might. Uh, counterpoint immediately after saying it out loud is that it can be not vanity Hmm. um and i think like for example the joker as a concept character is the closest thing to it not being vanity Hmm. but i do think the fact that he is still embodying a persona as an individual uh argues for the possibility of vanity I think if the Joker did everything and was a non-entity individually, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So all the, all of his goals, all of his machinations are still carried out. And yet they can't be traced back to him, even though he is in that case, maybe it isn't right. It's like, it's like being an anonymous donor, but on the right. opposite end. Right. So I think it's like, I think 
one of the funniest things about American society and Western society, for example, is that people who are trying to be true revolutionaries, it's almost always possible to call them out on their vanity. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say the the interesting thing, like using the Joker and like mm-hmm. and and then materially or like like to to call into the real world, like mm-hmm. people that kind of like. Um, reflect the Joker ouvre. Mm-hmm. Um The part of the reason mm-hmm. I don't consider them radicals because they do not have ideology, right? And so, and so, to so, so this is the other thing um, is that if you have ideology and you fail to understand that by being human. Mm-hmm ideology is inevitable inevitably flawed you are doomed to to like not be able to escape the pitfalls of of your ideology mm. like and i think that in that regard cynicism mm-hmm. is okay and it's normal mm-hmm. it's a, you're allowed to not be a true believer you should not be a true believer in anything because it's wrong. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be wrong. And so and so there are there are real real dangers to any and every ideology and and to be a radical in them means that you you can't escape like the Yeah. The, I think the, I think we're touching on like a uh, slightly deeper philosophical concept that's like uh I'm going to butcher this I'm paraphrasing the idea but basically yeah. it's like the king there's there's a king and he declares he's like I am nothing I am not any better you know I am nothing yeah and the holy man says I am nothing I am nothing and some normal dude next to them goes I am nothing I am not any better than I'm nothing. And then the other two go, who are you to say that? Who are, who, who are you to declare yourself to be nothing? Like, what gives <laughs> you the right to be as noble as we are in our right. morals kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what we're kind of caught in. Right. And, and I feel that. I, and, and I think that regularly happens. And, and that's that's the kind of thing that I always... You know, like, AOC is kind of my biggest hope right now in possibly transcending that. Yeah. So like for But example, she can't. But she can't. I mean the the the, the right. reality of it is that like we are we are stuck in this cycle mm-hmm. of ideology and belief and 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 the reality is that we we probably all would be better off if we like tempered all of our ideologies and beliefs right. but still but still thought them. Yeah. That's the key. And that is where sorry, I, I know I cut you no, off and I'll let you no, go no, back no, to it's it. Okay. But um but that is like the fundamental reason why like centrism mm-hmm. is so stupid mm-hmm. is that they believe that they can be true believers mm-hmm. in the belief that they're halfway in the belief. Right. And that is fucking stupid too. If you're mm-hmm. a if you're a radical centrist, mm-hmm. you're also you're also beholden to your false beliefs and your false yeah. ideologies. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that you should be you should be steadfast and mm-hmm. strong in what you believe, but you should also think of them more as ideas. Think right. of them more as like 
you know, like maybes, a lot more maybes and way less definitive yes. Which is funny, which is funny because you're basically touching on the thesis of the film Dogma, right? Where this is the scene where I Chris, almost quoted it. Yeah, yeah where Chris Rock's it. in the train with um, Bethany, I think her name is. Yeah, Bethany, yeah. And he talks about its beliefs that are the issue. People should have ideas. Yeah. Right? And it's the fluidity in your own head. It's the fluidity of the possibilities. Because, and and to to bring it back to the topic, like, I did did enough, like, very, very, you know, minor detailed research to know that Luigi Galliani Mm -hmm. is a kook. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dude's dude's a crazy man. Mm -hmm. And and there's a reason why his name is lost to history. Mm -hmm. And there is a reason why the most important, or not the most, like, the whatever most meaningfully like material thing that ever happened Mm -hmm. did nothing Mm -hmm. and happened the year after he was deported from the country Mm -hmm. he changed nothing and and it's very easy to get sucked into belief right in the moment and it's i don't know it's just like can you think of someone who possibly has navigated this in a way that's like graceful enough i i mean like from a from an american political standpoint mm-hmm. i don't know if anybody has ever managed right it more gracefully than bernie sanders i i like right it the inevitability of the 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 because he has i think he has very strong-willed belief mm-hmm but has been capable without ever um, succumb like without ever yeah like, it's just like, like falling into the pitfalls like he he works with everybody he'll mm-hmm. he'll he'll he understands the meaning of compromise and how to compromise mm-hmm. but he, no one has ever doubted his mm-hmm. belief in the the things that he cares about mm-hmm. no one's ever doubted like where his heart is at even though he has bills sponsored with, you know, crazy Republicans mm-hmm. and people like working with him, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not. So I, I think that Bernie, if you're talking about working within the system, is like pretty close to like the mm-hmm. platonic ideal of like what it means to be. a. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the American system is so built to fail, like mm-hmm. built you know, house always wins, you know, Mm -hmm. like he, he is, I just got to imagine that it's exhausting to be that guy to, to like think the thing, the way he does. And then to see your entire career, you know, just like to just be questioned from such a bad faith position so often, you know? Yeah. This is, this is so interesting. We're probably going to get into shit that, like, maybe we'll have to cut out. Um, but this is why the, uh, ca- the the character of Judas is mm. so interesting to me. Like, I want to watch yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah purely because it's named that, but, like, made now about the uh, civil rights era. But, like, Judas One is someone favorite, who yeah. possibly who sacrificed his own name to he, he sacrificed more than Jesus 
yeah, to do the right thing, but from what you would consider the opposite perspective, like from the opposite standpoint of vanity, right? Yeah, I I actually find it pretty, pretty like shocking mm-hmm. and fascinating that two thousand years of world history since mm-hmm. the era of Jesus, we've had this story mm-hmm. forever, and. Judas hasn't had a more venerable yeah. rewrite in that whole time. You it, know what it, I mean? It, the fact that it feels very new that the conversation of Judas being the crux in the story for a different reason. Yeah. Like, I mean, because like, because we, we, I think we're both getting at the point that like, like he is the most interesting character in the New Testament. Right. Like and, po- and, possibly the single most virtuous, depending yeah. on your reading. Yeah. Because because he because he did the exact thing in the story mm-hmm. that he had to do right. in order for the story to succeed, mm-hmm. and then he and then his 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 prize yeah. his payout is eternal damnation. I mean, he kills yeah. himself. So in like the Christian conception, like yeah. Judas is in hell, and and what did Judas do except for advance the story exactly? And he is, and and here he is in between his first and second death in eternal damnation, where we attribute his name to being traitorous. Right. Ooh. I mean, yeah, he's for two thousand years we've con- thought of the name alone. Who names their kid Judas? No one. You can't. You, you can't. Literally can't. Yeah. It's it's you know akin to Adolf. It's like you can't do it, and yet. I mean, this is this is yeah. We're getting we're getting a little Calvinist here too, where it's like. Well, maybe everyone that's ever done wrong is just like a part of the plan, you know, like the, mm-hmm. all the wrong done in the world. Is it all just like an inevitability of a a pathway yeah. of train tracks that we're just riding down that we know we don't we, like the outcome is inevitable. Yeah, and I think that was like Dave Chappelle's partial point in talking about the Trump era. Right, hmm. being like he's, this is the big lie that's going to expose the truths about this country, and mm-hmm. you know he said that four years ago, three years ago, and now with GameStonk, that this moment is exactly that, where it's like that was the big lie that is now exposing these truths. This the sad thing. I think the thing that really frustrates me, um, and I only say this because I hold these people because mm-hmm. they are a part of my life to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. But I think that we went through the entire Trump era mm-hmm. and well-meaning li- liberals are further from getting the point than they were at the beginning of it. Right. And that frustrates me a lot because it's like, you you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, coronavirus, mm-hmm. the entire Trump presidency, and you don't, not only do you still not get it, but you get it less. Yeah. Like you've somehow come out like, understanding what we need what needs to be done mm-hmm. and why we're all so sick and mm-hmm. why we're all so why it's all going wrong even less mm-hmm. and and you know i mean i don't not to be all virtuous like maybe i understand it less too but i feel in my gut totally and utterly that we are that these four years were just like Dave Chappelle said, like this is the thing that exposes it, and I, mm. I don't know if we're closer. I don't know if we are. Mm. I think the bigger, deeper ideological divide in this country 
that will eventually yield concrete, you know, uh, outcomes. Yeah. Is the divide between people who, after this moment in history, um, are further along, so to speak. Right. And and hopefully more confident in themselves and in the network of other people that think like this mm-hmm. to act despite the people who are stagnant or moving backwards. Right. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. and, and it comes back to the outrunning, outrunning destruction concept where it's like, right. will these flowers bloom at a critical mass, you know, at a rate? fast enough and you know at a large enough scale to do something and i don't know whether we'll be able to see it or not until we have this conversation 10 years ago 10 years from now you know right yeah or or ever you Mm -hmm. know like maybe we'll never see it and 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 i think that from a personal perspective that's something i'm gonna need to start like prepping myself for mm-hmm. like the the maybe we'll never see it and how do i still be a good person in the face of like such a cynical right conception and that's the tough individual american question right now right yeah and i think yeah everyone has to deal with it on their own yeah or or collectively but it needs to be processed on your own right all right man i think this was a good this is a, maybe a yeah. good stopping point, like yeah. some 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 hope for the future. Um, I I'm hopeful that we figure out a way to change like the course of it all mm-hmm. to improve it all, mm-hmm. and don't have to resort to bombing Wall Street again. But man, fuck around and find out, huh? Yeah. That that was a parody statement, FBI. Parody, parody. Redacted. Redact redact all that. <laughs> Again, yeah. Yeah. If if there are multiple FBI agents now assigned to this podcast, just ask your main John Miklas FBI guy and he can tell you. <laughs> they can tell you. Yeah, don't worry. This is <laughs> this is just some Beaujolais speaking. Yeah. Alright, Verge. Well, appreciate it. Hey. Appreciate and, you uh, and appreciate all you listeners. Seriously, if you guys um if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can uh, email us at hegelianfriendshipsimulator at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. And please, please, please don't forget to um, subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. It helps please. out a lot. Yeah. And um, yeah, we hope we hope that you guys are enjoying the show still and uh, if you have any interest in, um, you know, giving us some feedback, we'd love to hear it. So, all right. Bye.